Welcome to Him for Her Radio. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him Prison Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Shug Burry. If you say what you want to say, Sugbury, and I am the host of Him for Her Radio. Yep, you heard it right, Him for Her Radio, H-I-M number four radio. You can find us on himprisonministries.org and click listen now or go to AM980 The Mission. Today's hot topic is presented by your request. And uh, it's a topic that we have to listen to. Everybody should be educated on this topic. It's a life or death matter. And guess what? You can make a difference. I want you to grab a pen, grab a paper right now, because you need to understand um, what this topic is all about. This topic is on the news and the media way too often. Um, and today we are going to be talking about healing from suicide, healing after suicide. It's a tough topic. Now, most recently, we hear about the famous names, um, on, you know, on, on TV and on the radio. However, I know personally several families that have been devastated from this. So this is a part two. If you would go back to the podcast, if you didn't hear the first one after this and listen, listen to the, the, the warning signs, listen to the tools that you can have to walk alongside with someone um, I have two guests here with me today that I am just so happy that are here. The first one is Glenn Bloomstrom. He's a chaplain, um, and he also works with Living Works Education. I'm going to have him share in just a minute a little about, about his background. And then I also have a dear friend of mine, Gary Borgendale, who's the local ministry director for AM980, The Mission. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. It's Thank good you, to be Shug. here with you, Shug. I'm so glad that you guys are here. Glenn, can you share a little bit about your background for our listeners? Yes. Uh, well, I'm a retired Army chaplain. I had the privilege of serving in the United States Army for 30 years. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. God bless America. Thank oh, you for doing that. It was a privilege to serve great American uh, men and women that that this country, Minnesota, shares. And uh, it was a privilege to serve them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I spent a lot of time working in policy and uh training for chaplains, and I became aware of some fantastic suicide prevention tools. So now I work with Living Works Education, uh, which is a company that teaches suicide intervention skills, but we teach prevention as well as postvention after a suicide, and I'm also a uh, professor at a church-based seminary in downtown Minneapolis at Bethlehem Baptist Church. You know, if you look at Glenn's bio, I tell you, it goes on and on. I am so impressed with this um, man's life and and legacy and what he's doing for Jesus Christ. And I first met Glenn at a Safe Talk um, seminar that was put on at Westwood Community Church. And I have taken other suicide awareness uh, courses, and I have to say that this was by far the best one. And why was it the best one? Because you gave us tools to use and go out. And within 24 hours, Glenn, believe it or not, I got a chance to use what you had taught me. Thank you very much. 
Praise the Lord. Gary Borgendale um, and I were sharing about this topic of suicide, and he also has had firsthand knowledge in it. And I'm going to allow him to share on that in just a minute. But as we begin, Glenn, could you please share with me what are some of the statistics of those um, who attempt suicide and those who have actually died? Well, uh, the most recent uh, statistics that we have are from 2016. So just a tad under 45,000 people have died by suicide. And for every death by suicide, there are 25 attempts. Hmm. So if you think about it, I think the research has said that about 145 people for every attempt or death are affected. So when you start to do the math, that's a lot of people that are affected by suicide behavior, whether that's death by suicide or suicide attempts. What percentage are, are actually successful? Well, um, we wouldn't call it a success. No, no, I, I apologize. <laughs> but, That'd be the wrong term. But you know, they were able to. Well, if you just it. look at the at the you know forty five thousand um, to a million, I'm not good with math, mm-hmm. but that's you know that's about one every 15 to 17 minutes. So I think that's a more powerful thing to be aware of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. What are the average ages? Well, the highest percentage is really in that young adult from 14 to 24. That's the highest uh, rates. But now we see rates going up in middle-aged men. And uh, you also know the statistic of roughly 20 to 22 uh, veterans die a day in the United States. So these are typically Vietnam-era vets, not Mm -hmm. necessarily the Gulf War vets, but we are seeing a lot of deaths even in our young veterans as well. Mm -hmm. What can a person who has lost a loved one to suicide do to begin in their healing? Well, most of all, it's really important they know that they're not alone. And they should not isolate. Um, If a person has had a loved one who has, or a friend or family member who's died by suicide, I would say the the most important thing is to realize that they need to talk with somebody Mm -hmm. about their journey. A a lot of the typical uh, feelings that a person might have is they want to avoid talking. uh, And that's because of their own internal stigma and and shame about uh, a death. Uh, There's a mixture of sadness and anger. Mm. You know, this is a strange thing about suicide grief. You know, there's sadness at the loss of the loved one, which is the typical grief. But then there's also anger. How in the world could you have done that? Why didn't you let us know that you were thinking of this? Um, There's fear that this could affect other people in our circle, in our family, that might be vulnerable themselves. There's guilt, which feeds into the shame, which feeds into the stigma. Mm-hmm. I didn't do what I could have done. Mm. And, then, so, and then finally, my loved one abandoned me. And that could also be rage. Mm-hmm. How could you leave me to raise all these children by myself? You know, how could you do that to me? 
And then finally, with someone who struggled off and on with depression or mental illness, there could be relief. All these are typical feelings, but they're very confusing when they're just inside of your head. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're saying, talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. And the best place to do that is a suicide survivor support group. But also, you don't necessarily need that. Mm -hmm. I would say if you can talk to a pastor, if you can talk to someone you trust about these things to get a perspective and get them outside of your head, Mm -hmm. that is a huge first step. But I think being with people in a suicide survivor's support group who've been there and understand these dynamics that are unique for suicide is Huge. How do they go about finding those? Can you Google it or is it online? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. In fact, here in the Twin Cities or anywhere, if you go into the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, AFSP, they have a directory that's a national directory. Mm -hmm. You can go to any state you're in, Minnesota, and they're all over the metro. Um, They're wonderful. Mm. And there are people that who are, you know, suicide survivor members a lot mm-hmm. of the times mm-hmm. who commit a lot of their time to doing this and helping to people helping in that people. journey. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Glenn. Um, if you're just tuning in, this is Sugbury with him for her radio. We have a guest today who is Glenn Bloomstrom, and as well I'm with Gary Borgendale, who is going to share with us in just a minute. Um, and today's topic is suicide. And if you're listening and maybe you're having these thoughts, there are tools, there are people that are waiting for you out there to call. You can call 1-800-273-TALK, which is also 8255, 1-800-273-8255. Now, if you're listening, I want you to be equipped. Possibly you're not having these thoughts, but you know of someone who might be, or I want you to be equipped and ready in Jesus Christ. I mean, we are on the front line as believers that God might bring together this God appointment for you. And I want you to have this phone number in your purse, in your wallet, 1-800-273-8255. Welcome, Gary. I'm so glad that you had the opportunity to come on with us today. Thank you, Shug. appreciate the opportunity to share. Again, Gary is with AM980, The Mission, and as I was sharing with him about our topic for today, he shared with me an experience that he had. Would you be able to to give our listeners that story? Yes. I think, first of all, I need to uh, backtrack a little bit. Um, In 1966, uh, when my mother was uh, 43 years old, that she committed suicide. Now, I was of nine years of age and really did not comprehend what all that meant and in 1966, uh, my mother's name was Roseanne, and um, it was really this taboo or this secret that Glenn is talking about was very common in that time. Now, my mother did suffer from mental illness, and so she had been various treatments from electric shock treatment to a v- wide variety of treatments. And and at that stage, it was kind of like a person has died, they passed, you kind of move on, and you just get on with life. Um, I was fortunate as I look back that there was a lot of uh, protection over me from my aunts, from neighborhood women that kind of mothered me through that time that I never really understood. But um, so life progressed and I never really had much um, um, consideration or thoughts of that um, until it was probably about six years ago. uh, I meet with some of the pastors south of the river and we were counseling uh, a young pastor who had a suicide within his church, how to be able to handle that. 
And the thing that I brought up in there is importance for these uh, children that their mother is the one that committed suicide, that there's children would be able to forgive their mother for doing this. And as I was going through this process that I realized that I had never done that to my mother. I had never forgiven her for taking her life. And one of my friends, um, Craig Kessner, said, started leading me through this process and, 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 and to be able – and it wasn't something that I was thinking about. It was never on my horizon, but it was very deep within my very soul. And, and so um, Craig helped me bring this forward and to then forgive my mother and, and for what she had done to myself and to our family. And um, then he said, you know, this is major spiritual surgery. And so let us pray over you as well, because it's like an open heart surgery that we pray for uh, recovery and, and healing from this. And I was so grateful that he did do that in his wisdom, because I remember it was this almost like an outer body experience, how deep this was, mm. and to be able to go out of there and drive, and okay, now my head's on straight because we prayed for this recovery. But one of the things that was so important in there is to be able to understand when you forgive the person that has committed suicide, there's an enormous amount of healing that comes in because, as Glenn was talking about, there's a certain levels of guilt, there's shame, all those are associated with this suicide. But when you forgive that person, that allows God's forgiveness to flow in through this. Mm-hmm. Because many people have held on way too long. Well, if I only would have done this, well, if I only would have done this, if I only would have done this. And to forgive the entire situation. And as I shared this with other pastors about this power of forgiveness of the person who has committed suicide, they never really even thought of this. And so it was kind of this this beginning of this process of saying, what does forgiveness mean in suicide? And I was able to share this with others that have been able have had the death of a child or, mm-hmm. or whatnot to the power of forgiveness. We must remember, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and we must remember that Satan's purpose is to lie, kill, and destroy. And every time I hear a young person that has committed suicide, it's like, damn you, Satan. That you, you know, it's just this anger at mm-hmm. Satan because he's the one that's out there instrumenting, kill yourself. And we have to, 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 um, Get away from that lie mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Satan is doing out there. Thank you, Gary. Um, I can't imagine how painful that would have been for you, and I'm so thankful that you were able to share some of that with us. We're going to touch a little bit more on that in just a minute. If you're just dialing in, this is Sugbury, him for her radio, Women's Hot Topics, and today's topic is a painful one. You know, it's how to begin healing after suicide. This is part two. Please go back to part one on our podcast and listen to the tools and the invitations that people give us. But I think it's really important to know that there is healing for those that have survived this in their family. I have seen this devastate marriages and families and people are ripped apart because just like what Gary had said, they're blaming themselves and you know, in Jesus Christ, he wants us to have forgiveness. In Romans eight thirty eight, it says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. 
And so my next question for you is a sensitive one. I'm going to address it to both of you gentlemen. I'm here with Glenn Bloomstrom, and he is going to share as well as Gary Borgendale. Um, Here's the question I have for you, and please forgive me if it's too forward, but how do you know the difference between is it spiritual warfare or is it mental illness? Glenda. They're staring at each other going, you take it. (laughs) Well, I'll... I'll I'll step in here, and um, my first response in this, when somebody is taking their own life, and um, I'm going to be pretty blunt on this, is because that the Lord desires us to live, and Satan desires us to, the three things, to lie, kill, and destroy. And if this is in a mental illness situation, um, the same parameters apply. And so I don't really see it as a difference then is because that um, Satan, is his desire is to take that person out. God has created this person for a very special purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and, and by having them take their life, that purpose is now not available to the rest of us that way. And so, you know, is there treatment for mental? Absolutely. But we have to understand where does that component fall from? That's a falling of sin nature in the whole body that mm-hmm. way that brings that forward. Glenn, right. you get you, a chance Gary. to respond. Right. Well, Gary, I really ag- agree with you. You know, our bodies are tainted by the fall. Mm-hmm. And uh, just couldn't agree with you more that mental illness, like diabetes, like heart disease, like asthma, th- they're that all, our our bodies are not perfect as much as we'd like to think they are. And I also strongly support that we are in a battle, I think, for men's men and women's heart and mind mm-hmm. uh, theologically, that uh, will, does God reign sovereign, or is there a lie that's being put in there, right. that really the world is better off without you? And in, in, in one of the things that I did as I went through this process of understanding, I went through Neil Anderson's Bondage Breaker. And to me, it was very, very important because my grandfather had also committed suicide. And so then it was important for me to protect myself from that generational curse of suicide and to my children. So so your mother's father uh, correct. committed Suicide. Uh, yeah, took his life by suicide as well as your mother. Right. Glenn, do you find that's pretty generational? Well, I, I, I think that that's been proven in, in the literature that, in fact, those that have loved ones that have died by suicide are 40% more likely to consider that an option. And so that's where, to me, when Grandpa, who's a World War II warrior or a, a Vietnam vet, says, well, I'm not going to lose all my savings, and I'm going to, ta- I'm going to end my own life, mm-hmm. and does it like a warrior, mm. now grandson thinks, well, Gramps did that. Why, why can't I do that when things are getting rough in my life? It, it it doesn't make sense. But also then if you think about genetically 
the transference of uh, tendencies toward depression or mental illness, Mm -hmm. you can see that that is passed down to different generations. I know of a family where um, the elderly couple, uh, she had passed away and the father or the grandfather of everyone had um, then taken his own life. And that was just a terrible legacy that that family said. They were were angry. They had rage, like you said. They felt it was such a selfish act. Grandpa, how can you do that to this family? And then, of course, other family members might be thinking the same thing. Well, maybe when times get tough, that will happen to me as well. I was researching from Rick Warren. He had lost yes, his, his son, yes. son, and his son was a believer in Jesus Christ yes. and loved the Lord, but battled with mental illness for a very long time. He did. And some of the things that he had pointed out really spoke to my heart. He said, you want to end the pain, but don't end your life. I mean, there are ways in that, that your feelings will not last forever in this pain, that you are loved, that you are needed, that your life matters. And, you know, the interesting thing is he pulled out from Genesis that God never meant for man to be alone. And so don't yes. live alone in these feelings. Post um, families that have people who have taken their life to suicide are living in that unforgiveness state and, and that rage and that anger and the bitterness and what what else could I have done? And it's just tearing your life apart. God wants you to live in a victorious life. And and I encourage you, like Glenn had said, to find and reach out to different groups that can mentor you and walk alongside you. And if you're listening and you have these feelings of, of taking your life, please go to 1-800-273-8255. Let me ask you um, one of the last questions, and I, I, I'm so sad we're running out of time. What would you share with our listeners who lived with loved ones or those with mental health challenges that have been going on for a long time? Well, I would say be in community. Get some education on how to better understand. Don't isolate you know, if you have a, a, a teen who struggles with depression or with a mental health diagnosis, the National Alliance for Mental Illness here in the Twin Cities and around the United States, we have a pastor, a friend, of a dear friend, and they went to this education and said they learned so much. Mm-hmm. And we're, it gave them grace, a different kind of grace mm-hmm. of understanding to walk with their uh, loved ones. So that would probably be the piece that I would stress. Yeah, I think it's very important to be understanding of that we it, it, a mental illness is a physical illness as well. It can be treated, so there's certain drugs that can be utilized that will stabilize that. And some of the times that there's deeper healings that need to be uncovered through a counselor or whatnot. So there's various opportunities to do that. And it's just to love and pray on that person and, and trust that God is doing this. One of the most important things is talking to that person and understanding God has got a very specific purpose for you in this life. Let's help you try and find this. And let's get your mind right through a mental illness so that you can enjoy the blessings that God has placed before you. Mm-hmm. And in churches and in communities, we just need to have conversations about what Gary just said and what I've just said. Learn. Be in community. Get rid of the stigma. It's, you know, are we, do we have a stigma about diabetes? No. Why do we continue to have di- stigma about mental illness? I agree. And, you know, I have found too, from attending um, your Safe Talk course with Living Works Education, Glenn, that, you know, the more knowledge you have, the better. 
And I feel that way about prisoners, too. People that are incarcerated, the more knowledge we have about them, it just takes away that fear factor. And a lot of people inside a prison and out are living in their own prison physically. And so I'm asking and encouraging all of the listeners that if you're living in that prison of someone had committed suicide in your life, um, that that you would bring this to the Lord. You might have anger. You might have rage. You might not understand what has happened. But the healing can begin by going to the throne. The healing can begin in receiving Jesus Christ in your life. He died for these sins. We live in a fallen world. But I got to tell you, he wants you to live victoriously in Jesus Christ. And it's easy. It's simple. Maybe for a time such as this, you have tuned in because God is calling you. He's knocking on your heart. He's giving you the invitation to say yes to him, to begin to heal. Father, I am praying for all the listeners out there who have possibly suffered from someone taking their life to suicide in their life. Father, I ask you'll give them healing. You'll give them restoration. You'll give them hope, Lord. But most of all, would they cross over from death to eternal life because they have said yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I I just want to thank you, Glenn Bloomstrom and Gary Borgendale, for joining us on this tough topic. Over and out, ladies. I love you. This is Sugbury, Him for Her Radio.